Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hey, Waiting Warriors out there, welcome to another week on the podcast. This week, we have something a little bit different. This week, we have Lily. She is a veteran's wife, so I'm very excited to hear her perspective. Welcome to the show, Lily. Thank you for having me. Of course. Lily's husband was in the Army for seven years and then was medically discharged, which I know is, I don't know, to me, that's like a a scary word. And maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but he currently works as a security officer at a hotel and Lily runs a WordPress website design business. So I want to get to a part of your story though, that I didn't just mention. Lily is also a twin. So I'm super curious. Um, what was it like going from being a twin and then you're a military spouse, and I'm assuming you were no longer with your twin. Because, uh, okay, I guess I, I'm making the assumption that you had a close relationship with your twin. Is that correct? What uh, was that like? Yeah. So it, I mean, it was, it's definitely rough, right? It, when we were much younger, our parents would be like, you need to separate them. You need to put them in different classes because they're together too much. Um, but which wasn't always possible, of course. Uh, but we kind of had a taste of independence when we went to college because she ended up going to a school that was three hours away from our, you know, main hometown, which is where we both still live now. Um, so we were kind of used to it, but it's still not anywhere near the same as when I ended up moving to, to Colorado with my husband because he was stationed in Colorado Springs. Um, mm -hmm. So I didn't have my support system in my extended family, which, you know, in our culture is very important, but also with my sister. Um, she actually did end up coming out to Colorado for uh, maybe two months, but separated one month here, one month there because my husband was recovering from his surgery and I couldn't manage with the kids. Um, and, really trying to keep them off my husband's recovering shoulder was a full-time job all in its own. <laughs> and there was still other stuff that needed to be done. So, you know, she was able to help me. But I, I definitely think that one of the hardest parts was, um, you know, having to cope with not being able to see her whenever I wanted. However, mm -hmm. when you're talking about the waiting warrior part, she was a huge help to me while my husband was gone, because every time my husband would deploy or go overseas, when he went overseas to Korea, I would move back to this area where my sister and the rest of my family were. Um, and I would just follow my sister around. Like I remember being pregnant with my oldest and I literally followed her to class in college. And they'd be like, who is that pregnant girl? She's like, oh, that's my sister. Don't worry about her. She's just here with me in case she goes into labor because her husband's not here and just don't want to take her to the hospital. <laughs> so she was definitely my support system, you know, while my husband was, was gone in his deployments. And I'm not sure how I would have gotten through it without her, honestly. Mm-hmm. So let's take a step back because you mentioned that having that support system, that extended family is important in your culture, but this is, this is audio. I've seen 
you know, who you are. I've seen your profile on Facebook, but could you explain to the listeners what is your culture, um, what is your background, and what really does the extended family support system mean to you? So I, um, I'm from the Philippines originally. I came here when I was uh, eight years old. I've been here a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And in the Philippines, you know, very often people never move out of their parents' houses if they don't absolutely have to. Um, they usually do when they start a family or sometimes not even then. Um, my oldest sister lived with my mom for a long time because it was just easier uh, to have my mom around to help with the kids and so that my mom wasn't alone in the house. And it's the same thing with my in-laws. My brother-in-law still lives with my mother-in-law because she doesn't drive. So she, when she needs rides to appointments and he's able to take her. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's a very, very close family dynamic and growing up and getting older doesn't necessarily mean that, it, you know, you, you don't still see your parents the same way. Um, it's actually very rough for me because my father just recently moved back to the Philippines. So I'm not really able to see him at all. Really. Yeah. Um, I haven't gone back to the Philippines since my son was less not even a year old so it's been about seven or eight years now since we last went back um and i don't foresee us being able to go anytime in the future you know uh i'm not sure if i mentioned this to you but i have two special needs children and i have no idea how they'd handle a 13 hour plane ride they can barely handle a couple hours in the car (laughs) so that's just not gonna work uh so for the foreseeable future unfortunately I, i won't be able to see my dad and that that's rough for me because you know, we may not have had the best relationship when I was growing up, but as I've gotten older and kind of seen things from his point of view, then things have definitely changed. And we were kind of just beginning to repair a relationship when he ended up leaving. So mm-hmm. that, that that's a bit of a rough time. Yeah. So really, culturally, you grew up with something very different than a lot of us because you know, traditionally in a lot of states here, it is you, you know, you leave when you're 18 and you, um, I don't, I don't want to say independence, but kind, but kind of, it's a different kind of independence that you get because it's like, we're birds and we get pushed out of the nest. Right. Just culturally, <laughs> culturally, your life is so involved with your family and intertwined and right. But then you're, so you go from that to a military spouse and you said you went to Colorado. How, how much of a distance was that? Oh, uh, well, again, we're in Maryland now and that's where my sister was at the time. And I was in Colorado. So it's about a 23 hour drive because we did the drive like twice while we were there. Oh my gosh. It's about a 23 hour drive. That's a long drive. Yeah. So that's not stop by the way. So really it takes longer when you have to stop with the children yeah. and all that. Yeah. yeah. No, I did that. I did that drive over the summer for a, I mean, not Maryland to Colorado, but I did, um, we're at Fort Campbell. So it was about 20 or 18 or something, but it, yeah, it took like three days guys. Anyways, my <laughs> point though is, is you're a, you're a twin and you have that relationship and just culturally you have this, um, I like to, I I think of my extended family as like my big warm blanket and they're just comforting and protective. And then military life, you, you move and you have nothing. What was that like for you? Was it just, I mean, I want to say culture shock, but not even like a culture shock, like just a a whole body shock or what was that like for you? It was actually interesting the way, um, that my life in the military started. So my husband and I, as I mentioned to you, we were high school sweethearts. We dated when I was a 
freshman in high school and he was a sophomore. Mm -hmm. We were separated for a while and then he came back. He was already in the military. I knew that he would be deploying in maybe three or four months after we had just started seeing each other again. Uh, and we ended up eloping literally a week before he deployed. And Aww. he brings, he, he brings me to his mom who I had met maybe once or twice, by the way. And he's like, Hey, mom, I got married. And she's like, is, is that a joke? And he's like, no, I got married. And yet five seconds later, his mom is calling the insurance company, adding me to their car insurance and saying, it's okay. You can live here. And I'm like, that's a really fast thing. Um, so I ended up living with my mother-in-law for my husband's first deployment. So at least I still had again that that family dynamic around me. And again, it was a bit strange because it was actually a family that I hadn't really had for very long. Um, but it still was a lot easier for me to at least still have a support system. And so my husband on that first deployment, he was gone for 15 months, which we didn't know he would end up being extended or he wouldn't have taken his leave three months in. Um, <laughs> but after he came back from that first deployment, that was when we made our very first move to Colorado. And that for me was a huge um, culture shock because it was really my first taste of the military life per se, because I hadn't really been to base or anything like that while he was gone because I didn't really have any reason to except maybe to go grocery shopping or once in a while. So it wasn't until we were in uh, Fort Bragg that I really got to see the military lifestyle and got to be a part of it a little bit more. Um, and also just playing, you know, Fayetteville is a very different place than anywhere I've ever lived. It's a much smaller place. There's not really a lot of stuff around. And it was definitely a huge transition in many ways for that to kind of be my first uh, experience with the military. Mm -hmm. What was what was the hardest part of that transition? That I would say is definitely, again, moving away from, you know, my whole family because I, I had never been so far from my family before. And I mean, it was probably a good in between because obviously a four hour drive is much easier than a 23 hour drive, you know, mm -hmm. so I was still able to come home and see my family on the weekends. But also the reality was I had a, a very young baby. Our daughter was born when my husband had been gone uh, just about a year into his deployment. Um, so I, it wasn't actually feasible to be driving back and forth all the time. Um, but I, I really think that being at home all the time with just me and a new baby while my husband was at work uh, and not being able to see my family and do all of that, it was in some ways harder than deployment because at least during the deployment, I had a lot of support. But when I was there, not as much because it, it was really just me. And, you know, at least I, I want to say I was Internet wasn't as common because I feel like my husband and I used a lot of phone cards during his first deployment. And we wouldn't have mm -hmm. done that if we could use Skype and stuff because it was expensive, you know. So yeah. it, it, it wasn't as easy to stay connected with my family in Maryland as it would be, say, now. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Technology has been a huge, huge blessing and changed the game on a lot of things. I know I know it's still hard. Um, we just did a deployment last year and it's it's still super hard, but also multiple times throughout that deployment. I was like, holy cow, we have it 
so much better than right. other people even just <laughs> five to ten years ago. Like that doesn't seem like a long time, but right. technology wise, like geez, it's you a big guys difference. Were in the ice age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what how has this whole experience helped you grow? I would definitely say that the the biggest thing that I've taken away from military life is kind of how to be flexible about things that are out of your control. Because let's face it, most things in the military are out of your control. Um, and so you kind of just have to keep on moving, adjust and, and deal with it. You know, especially pretty much everything in my life at this point is, <laughs> is kind of causing me to really use that skill over and over again. Uh, with my son and my daughter every new day, it's, it's something new. And I just kind of have to admit that you can't control everything. You can't change everything and you accept what you can and you move on with your life. And a lot of that came from the military, you know, with my, um, when my husband was deployed for the first time and I was giving birth to my daughter and they were like, okay, he can come home and see you. You know, it's his first daughter and he hasn't, you have, he hasn't been home in months. He can come home. And then they said, no, you know what? Never mind. They'll just stay here. And of course, that's upsetting. But again, it's the military. There's nothing you can do. So you suck it up and you move on. And, you know, being able to do that kind of is a skill you hone over time. And hopefully you're less bothered by it as time goes with every little thing that you can't necessarily control. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you do to help yourself walk through that now? Because I feel like it, it is a lesson that is built up over time and we just learn to approach it like with do you have a, a specific not mindset that you go to but like things that you say to yourself that help versus things that you know that don't help what what does that look like for you well and to be completely open about this this is not something that I've come through on my own at all mm -hmm. um you know with with all the things that I've been dealing with with my husband, with him getting injured while he was gone and everything else that goes on with my children, I've had, you know, therapy to help me with dealing with all of this sort of stuff. But more on a day-to-day -day basis, um, I'm not sure if you know what tapping is. No, what's that? So um, it, I think it EFT stands for emotional freedom technique. Um, it's, it's sort of, I don't want to say it's a type of meditation because that's not right, but it's just something that you can kind of do to, to help release the negative energies and kind of, um, recenter yourself. And that's a horrible explanation for it. So anybody who wants to Google EFT <laughs> can find better information. But, um, for me, it's, there are times when it's actually worked better for me than, any anxiety meds or anything like that in kind of just helping me to to calm down and to stop all of the negative thoughts and focus on the positive things, the things that I can actually control and the good things that are happening, especially, you know, with everything that's going on now with the pandemic, it's really easy to kind of spiral into the negative thoughts and to only focus on the negative things. Um, but for most people, most people, there is you know, good things happening every day. And you, you kind of just have to focus on those good things um, in order to, to keep moving. Because um, otherwise you just give up and that doesn't help anybody. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, you, you said it so casually, but that is 
such a powerful thing. Like when the, the tapping and I'll have to Google that when we're done, but <laughs> to, to just take time to meditate, to pause and like think and figure out ways that work for you to release the negative energy inside you. Because I don't know about you guys, but like I get, there are points in my days when it's like, this is so hard. And I just like, you hold the tension in your body and I always hold it in my jaw and then I get headaches and then I'm no help to anybody because I have a headache and I get ornery and like that, that doesn't help my situation. But if we can pause and release that, that's so powerful. But then also just to, um, to have the mindset of this, you know, there are positive things going on. And I think it's like tapping into the power of gratitude. Right. Yeah. And I mean, a, a gratitude practice is, is definitely something else that, you know, one of the coaches that I follow, I've taken her course, Denise Duffield Thomas. She really talks about the importance of having a gratitude practice where you, uh, every day you write down three things that you're grateful for. And I don't necessarily do that because I find myself repeating stuff and I find that it doesn't mean as much if I do it every day because I become robotic about it. But instead, the times when I'm feeling really down, I'll sit, I'll sit down and write a gratitude list. And I'm like, I can usually come up with like 50 to 100 things without trying that hard, which just goes to show that at the end of the day, my life is really blessed compared to other people. So it's really hard to justify sitting there and focusing on the negative when in reality, there is so much in my life to be grateful for. Um, and, you know, it's a really good tool for kind of refocusing myself and focusing on on the good things in my life. And, you know, you don't have to have 50 to 100 things you're grateful for to be able to see that, there's more than enough for you to be thinking about and to be focusing on um, that's good in your life. Yeah. Amen to that. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> I like it. Um, Let's talk about the medical discharge though, because you're talking about being flexible in this. That is like, at least everyone that I know who has been through a medical discharge, that's never expected. It's rarely what they want. Um, and it is like a huge wrench in your life and your plans. What, what was that like for you? And how did you, was it just like, oh, well, this is the military and it's just one of those things we have to be flexible for, or was that a bigger process that you had to go through? Well, so what happened was they realized that my husband's shoulder was um, severely injured during like I said, his, his last tour in Afghanistan. So his uh, doctor said, we're going to do surgery in your shoulder. Give it a little bit of time to recover. If it doesn't look like it, it's going to recover, we'll have no choice but to let you out of the military because he couldn't even wear the protective gear anymore, which obviously oh. he can't not do that. Um, yeah. And so it was in December of... I want to say 2012 when they told him, okay, no, we're, we're going to med board you. There's no getting around it. We have to med board you. And I said, okay, we thought we'd have, you know, three more years of, of steady income. And now they're telling us that they're going to med board you. That's terrifying. Um, plus everybody else that we talked to said that their med board process took forever. And it was the uncertainty and all of that that was extremely stressful because we just didn't know what the process was going to be like. And from what we've heard from everybody else, it was going to be horrible. 
Surprisingly, my husband's med board process was extremely fast. I've never heard of anybody else getting out as quickly as he did because he got the news that he would be uh, med boarded in December and we were back in Maryland by May. Uh, while some no. people in that amount of time, they were still waiting for their first appointment. You know, I to wow. this day have no idea how his process went through. Um, but really, like I knew that my husband loved the military. Uh, so I definitely had mixed feelings about the discharge because, you know, obviously I, I don't want my husband to be in pain and I didn't want him to leave a career that he loved. But at the same time, the waiting warrior game was getting harder and harder every time. We had been married for seven years and he had been gone for more than half of it. Um, and it was just at that time uh, that my son was also starting to show his own issues, medical issues. And we were starting to notice that something was kind of off or, or not you know, all right with his, um, with his health that all of that together. And I was just like, maybe this isn't the worst thing in the world. And I can say that because I don't have a choice in the matter anyway. Um, it might've been a different choice. You know, if my husband came to me and said, well, would you want me to stay in the military for the whole 20 years? And I'd actually have to make a decision. It would be more difficult because I would know that what he wanted was to stay. And I, can't be completely selfish and say, no, I want you to leave. But since it was taken out of my hands, I can sit here and look at the silver lining that, you know, the, the military life was getting harder and harder. And, you know, I, I have nothing but respect my, one of my clients for my business, she's gone through something like 10 deployments. And I was like, <laughs> I, you're a better person than me because I barely got through those three. I have no idea how you've gone through 10. Um, or, you know, the ones who, really go through an entire career and I, I think it's amazing but apparently I'm not as strong as those people um and I just you know I was really struggling by then so I was glad at the end of the day that the decision was made for us but it was definitely uh, a difficult transition you know when we got to Maryland and my husband's like I don't know what I want to do really <laughs> like I thought I was gonna be in the military for quite a while longer and I never really thought about what was going to happen afterwards. Uh, he ended up studying criminal justice in school. Um, after that, he was thinking maybe he would go into HVAC for a while, and then he got tired of that. Um, but <laughs> he ended up uh, at Marriott as a security guard, and he's ended up really loving that. So now that's that's what he does. And technically, he uses his criminal justice degree, so it's kind of killing <laughs> two birds with one stone. <laughs> that works. Has the transition to veteran life been super difficult? I know you talked about like it was it was unexpected and he didn't know, you know, he expected to be in the military life. So he didn't know what he was going to do. But were there parts of, you know, once he had a job that were unexpectedly difficult? I think it's a lot easier only because there's actually a lot of resources in this area, probably because we're in a, in a big metro area and in Washington, D.C. of all places. There's a lot of resources here for the military and for veteran families that I've been able to take advantage of. So I have had some assistance in in our not just in transition, but in in continuing our lives since then. Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing that. I don't think a lot of people understand is my husband actually feel, falls into this weird place where he 
wasn't medically retired. He was medically discharged. So a lot of programs and benefits, you have to be medically retired, not medically discharged. Um, so for us, there's a lot of things that I'm like, oh, great. That'll really help us. Oh, wait, there's that little fine print that says you have to be medically discharged. Um, so, or medically retired. So that, you know, has kind of been difficult for us, but even, or, but even outside of that, there's a lot of organizations around here that are more than willing to help, especially because he's considered, you know, a wounded veteran because he's got the disability and all of that. Um, we've, we've been able to get a lot of help from local, uh, organizations, but also being able to connect with, um, other people. Because honestly, even while my husband was in the military, I'm a very, you know, my sister is basically the only person I talk to. <laughs> I don't talk to a lot of people. And while I was in the military, I never really took the time to um, really get to know other spouses or really get involved in the community because I really stayed to myself. And funny enough, I've actually gotten more involved in the military community after my husband got out of the military than I was <laughs> when he was active um, because of the fact that there are so many veterans organizations around here, especially veterans organizations that are targeted towards entrepreneurs, which obviously is what I am. Um, and it's just refreshing to be able to talk to people who understand what it's like, who understand what I've gone through. Because, you know, as much as I, I, I love my twin sister and she's been there for me as best she can, at the end of the day, she's not the one who's actually gone through those experiences. So she can only empathize with me, but so much. Um, and so yeah. being able to talk, to talk to other people who've really been through it, um, is really helpful. And even if I'm not talking about my husband's deployments every other day, because why would I, <laughs> but just plain being able to talk to other people who know what that experience is like, I think has, has been really helpful to me. Um, and the fact is, is that, you know, a lot of people who are in the military community, whether it's veterans or active duty, they'll just plain share a lot of the values that I do. So being able to connect with those people and being able to work with them through my business or otherwise has, has been really helpful to me um, in the transition and in building our life after the military. Yeah. I, it is such a blessing that the military community doesn't stop when you leave active duty. Right. Like it It is a forever thing because you can see somebody and you can know their military and you just like, not that you get to assume anything because I mean, the whole point of this podcast is that we all have unique experiences, but at the same time, there is just this level of understanding and connection that is instantaneous. Right. I love it. Um, last question. What is your key to thriving that you want to share with your fellow waiting warriors? My key to thriving is definitely take care of yourself first. And this is something that I did not do for a long time, uh, considering that I was in doctor's appointments every other day for my children. I never went to one. And when I finally did, I ended up finding bad news that if it hadn't been caught, could have been worse news. Um, but only because my sister randomly told me one day, hey, you should go to doctor. And I said, okay. And, you know, that was how I found out. And I, I, I learned a lesson the hard way that if I don't take care of myself, that there's not going to be anyone here to take care of my kids, to take care of my husband. Um, and so I've really made it much more of a priority to 
make sure that I'm doing the things that I need to do, whether it's going to the doctor, whether it's eating a little bit healthier, whether it's actually taking the time for my exercises um, and just making sure that I'm taking care of me. Because if I don't feel well, if I'm sick or, you know, unfortunately get more of those negative test results, um, then there's really not going to be anyone from there for my family. And so what's the point of that? Yeah. Why, why spend all our time taking care of everybody and not taking care of ourselves if the end result will be no one will be there to take care of our family? Exactly. It's yeah. <laughs> the most ironic circle of <laughs> silly frustration that I've ever seen. <laughs> like, no, it's supposed to work that, like, I just take care of everybody because I want to take everybody. And it's counterintuitive. But so important. Right. So, so important. Well, thank you so much, Lily. If people want to connect with you, if they want to talk to you more, if they want to thank you for what you shared, where can they best connect with you? So I am, my website is sitebiz.com. That is for my main business. But my military passion project is Operation Site, S-Y-T, launch.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, but I never actually post on there. So you probably shouldn't look for me on there. <laughs> um, my website and Facebook, facebook.com slash sitebiz, S-Y-T-B-I-Z. Uh, that's where uh, you can much more easily find me. Mm -hmm. And what is your military passion project? What's it about? So my main business, I design websites for women entrepreneurs who are well-established in business and are realizing my website is crap compared to who I am and they want to upgrade. On the other side, my passion project works with military spouses who are just getting started in business. I know that a website can be one of the most daunting, overwhelming, and expensive parts of running a business. And I really want to be able to help military spouses with something simple and professional that they can, you know, really get their business up and running quickly. My eventual goal is to be able to expand my passion project to be able to provide all sorts of resources for military spouses, um, such as next month, we're hoping to launch a boot camp to help them from beginning to maybe their first year business. We want to launch a mentoring program. Uh, last month, we actually launched a challenge of how to launch your side hustle as a virtual assistant in five days uh, for anyone who may be trying to you know, start a business in this day and time, because who wouldn't be? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really my passion project. I know how hard it is to get and keep a stable job when you're constantly moving, when your husband's schedule is unpredictable and all of that. Um, becoming an entrepreneur has been a huge blessing for me. And I really want to be able to help other military spouses who may be looking to do the same. You're awesome, Lily. <laughs> Thank you. you. That's awesome. Not enough. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, wait a second. Now that I think about it, well, I'll tell you every now and then now. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your very unique story and perspective. Guys, if you want to thank Lily or if you are an entrepreneur and you need some help with your website, please go and check her out. And all you waiting warriors out there, remember that just because it's hard doesn't mean it's miserable. Have a great day, guys.
If you are loving the content here and want some more Waiting Warrior action, check us out at Instagram or Facebook. The handle is The Waiting Warrior, no S, or check out the website, thewaitingwarriors.com. Make sure you get on our mail list. We have some really awesome things coming up. Have a great day.